0: But God's going to open up the windows of heaven upon your life because of your faithfulness, so in your times tonight. So thank you for doing it. As Pastor mentioned, we have a an amazing couple here tonight. Uh, as I shared with you, about a month ago, we had Pastor uh, Mojus Ozolinkovics here. That's kind of hard to say 12 times fast. But uh, he was here from Latvia and, uh, you know, obviously left a great deposit. Many people shared about the service afterwards and lives being touched. We try to bring the best the best of people from around the world. And Pastor Tim Austin, his wife Naomi, as Pastor mentioned, um, probably wouldn't want me to share these accolades, but I'm going to share just a little bit before he comes up here. The man has birthed over 400 churches in the nation of Mexico. And if you were to add up the congregation sizes of all these churches, you're talking over 100,000 people each week are under his leadership. Think about that. Over 100,000 people he's affecting. Well over 100,000. I'm being conservative with my numbers. But uh, this is the man of God. I- I've had the privilege of knowing him for probably about 25 years now. And uh, he never stops doing things for the kingdom I, I call him he 's in a prayer meeting I call him he 's talking with pastors I call him he 's doing something else with kingdom i think I, I told his wife like does he ever stop and she says no, he does not so but that's that 's his heartbeat that 's his passion that 's his mission that 's his purpose and honestly it 's been ten years i think since he 's been here to only believe. Uh, It's hard to believe it's been that long, but Pastor and I have been down to Mexico every single year. We've had great crusades in Monterey in December. We saw amazing miracles happen. Uh, Every time we go to Mexico City or Puebla or Veracruz or wherever we go with Pastor Tim, we see God show up in such a strong way. And uh, I just want to encourage you tonight, if you would, let's give a warm welcome and only believe welcome to our guest tonight, Pastor Tim Moss, as he brings forth the word.
1: Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Bless you. <clears throat> Well, praise the Lord that we can be here with you and only believe. And there's very, very few churches in the world, even in, in the United States, where the congregation has the tremendous privilege of sharing their pastor with the world. You know, and that is an awesome privilege and an awesome responsibility to be praying constantly for Pastor Peter Dosek and his wife and family and uh, Brother Eric and his family because Brother Eric is always traveling with him and if he can't go, Brother Eric goes. And it's a blessing. Um, My wife is here with me. Stand up so they can see you, honey. We've only known each other since we were eight years old. So that's been 62 years ago, believe it or not. (laughs) But we just uh, praise the Lord for what he's doing. And um, I have a question, you know, for those that are here and those that are hearing online. And the question is, we find it in Judges chapter 4. And the question is, hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men of the children of Nephtali and of the children of Zebulun. God used Deborah, who was a woman, the, um, a judges there in, in Israel, but she came to Barak and said, Hath not God the Lord hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, go." And, you know, as we, as we grow older in age, of course, I mean, we have to, we have to graciously grow, grow older, but at the same time thinking about the next generation. Because in the, as, if Jesus doesn't tarry, there's going to be another generation. My, my folks, they, serve the Lord in their generation and now it's our turn to serve the Lord in our generation and um, I just want us to meditate a little bit this evening and give you a little word of what's going on when God speaks you know the the oldest activity of, of, of a human the human race is the, is the um, is hearing You know, before Adam could speak, or Adam could even name the names of the animals when he was still alone, he learned to speak because he heard the word of God, he heard the voice of God. And if we take into consideration the tremendous value that our ears have, even going forward in our decisions in life and just hearing the voice of God. And there are several instances in the Word of God, I just want to touch on them. Um, you know, in Genesis chapter one, it says, and I'm reading out of the um, amplified version of the Bible. Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abraham, go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation. Now, do you think that Abraham was the only one that God told him to leave everything and go? Jesus himself said that if we loved our parents, our children, our spouse more than him, we were not worthy of him. And it says very clearly, Go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house of the land, which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you abundantly and make your name great, exalted, distinguished, and you shall be a blessing, a source of great good for others. And I will bless. I will do good for benefit. Those who bless you and I will curse. That is subject to my wrath and judgment. The one who curses, despises, dishonors, has contempt for you. And in all your family, nations of the earth will be blessed. In 1948, my father and mother flew up to Alaska because my grandfather told my father, who was the ninth child in the family, Daniel, you need to come up and take care of your mother and me. At that time, my grandmother was um, dying of, of crippling ar- arthritis. And um, my father and mother flew up to give my oldest brother, and they <clears throat> came to see my, my grandparents. And, and my father, with tears in his eyes, he said, "Daddy." God has called me to Mexico. I'm sorry I cannot take care of you. I've got to go to Mexico. That was 1948. I was present when my grandfather was in a hotel together with my father in 1984. That's quite a between 48 and, and 84. And he almost fell to the ground telling my father, Will you forgive me, Daniel, because all these years I was bitter against you because you would not take care of daddy and mother. My father paid a high price, but when my grandfather saw what God had done, how many churches had been birthed, how many churches were were just full, my grandfather came to grips before he passed on to glory that it was better for my parents And my, because I'm saying my parents, because my mother also, my my mother also was was kind of rejected by her family the first years because they couldn't understand how she had to follow going to Mexico and all this. But to make a long story short, my parents, when they went to Mexico, there was about 40,000 evangelical Christians. When they passed on to glory, there were 10 million. It wasn't only the work of my father, but he influenced so many people, other pastors from other denominations. You know, he was a kingdom person. He, um, once he got the Holy Spirit, I mean, he was invited to the Presbyterian churches, to the Baptists, to the Methodists, and um, to the Pentecostal churches. But he had such a big heart and influenced a lot of leaders that were not even in our circle of churches that went on to do tremendous exploits for God. As a result in 1986 in Mexico City, in the general area of Mexico City, there were were 1,080 churches and that's starting from when the first gospel message was preached in the 1800s or 1700s. It took that much time to grow to 12 to 100,080 churches in 16 years or 14 years this doubled to 2,200 churches in the Mexico City area and you know what I'm saying is that has not God told you if my father wouldn't have obeyed the voice of God and he had to obey it a second time because my my parents when they graduated from high school they took on a small church in uh, West Seattle and um, they were studying French for two years, two years studying French because they were going to go to Cambodia and they were ready to go and a preacher came to his small church that he was pastoring and he said he said these words Mexico is so close to the United States yet so far from God and my father told my mother I'm gonna go into that room he wasn't full of the Holy Spirit at that time I'm gonna go into that room and I will not come out of the room until I know if it's Cambodia or Mexico and after a time of lingering in the presence of God God told him Daniel you're going to Mexico you're going to Mexico and to Mexico he went. In the first six months he learned to speak Spanish and he was preaching in Spanish without interpreter six months after they arrived into Mexico. And then they started just ministering, you know, in the villages, up in the mountains, in different areas and just um, experiencing God. When my, my parents when they um, received the Holy Spirit and this is is honest truth my father said the Holy Spirit did more in 10 minutes than he had done in 10 years without the Holy Spirit and you know that's why I mean we can never deny what the Holy Spirit does and if we don't have the Holy Spirit I mean there's nothing I mean he's God he's God he's with us and and we just have to you know trust in him but like I mentioned Abraham was not the only person that God told leave everything my father paid the price to obey God and we're live we're a living legacy of what God did through my parents They they passed on to glory when my father died or passed on to glory when he graduated. In Mexico City, we have um, some large churches. And um, the plane was late. That was carrying the casket from the United States to Mexico. At 2 o'clock in the morning, we had 6,000 people waiting for the casket. They loved him so much because he loved them also. He had given his life for them, although he passed away in the States. And um, the leadership in Mexico of different denominations across the nation, they were waiting for the casket. There was about 25 CEOs that were just waiting for the casket to arrive so they could honor this man of God. 2 o'clock in the morning, and um, the work that he had done was not over. And praise God that um, we've continued to do the work, but I just want you to understand that definitely God continues to speak because he has tremendous plans for so many people. in our surroundings. In Exodus 3:4 talks about when the Lord saw that, uh, <laughs> that Moses turned away from the flock. You know, he had been um, watching over the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, for 40 years, give or take. And he says, when the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock, To look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. With those three words, Moses was recruited, was committed for life. Here I am. You know, when we say, God, here I am, he takes our word, (laughs) he takes us for our word. Here I am. And we know the rest of the story, how God used Moses, how God protected him. You know, sometimes we, we think about Moses, but we, we, we very, very rarely talk about Miriam, his sister. When she was a young girl, we know that she's the one that faced Pharaoh's daughter and um, brought, brought a, um, her mother to nurse Moses while he was still a baby. I mean, that girl was courageous. And that's why when God talks about those that brought Israel out of Egypt, he says, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. I don't know if you've read that in the the Minor Prophets. It's powerful when you see how a a team like that was prepared by God to be able to deliver millions from Egypt. Literally, hundreds of thousands, millions, out of Egypt. Because Moses said, here I am. Down the road, we see how Moses went up into the mountain. Exodus chapter 24. And it says here in the word, verse 14, and he said unto the elders, carry you here, here for us, wait for us until we come again unto you. Behold, Aaron and Ur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And it says Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount. And we know that Moses didn't come down from the mount until he had the, the tablets with the Ten Commandments. But, you know, I've really thought seriously, where was Joshua during those 40 days? Moses went up into the cloud. Joshua was between Moses and the elders. So Moses wasn't the only one that was there for 40 days. Joshua was there for 40 days. Joshua didn't receive anything. He just lingered in the presence of God. And he didn't know that 40 years later, He was the one that God was going to use to take the children into Canaan. You know, we look at time. We look at situations. But it says in the word of God that Joshua never, never left the tabernacle. He was always there in the presence of God. We know how he had that tremendous battle against Amalek, and he had a tremendous victory. While Moses was having his hands raised by Aaron and Ur. But Joshua was somebody else that also said yes to God. And uh, as we go through the word, we find many instances. I'm just going to touch on another one, which is Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, 6, you know, Isaiah was was, um, from royalty. His uncle was a king. I mean... Uzziah. And in the year that Uzziah died, I mean, Isaiah could have just, you know, folded everything up and left. But what does it say there in verse 6? And then one of the seraphim flew unto me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Listen carefully, this has touched your lips. Your wickedness, your sin, your injustice, your wrongdoing is taken away and your sin atoned for and forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Now many years had passed, and he found somebody else and said, I will go. Not only Moses, but now it's Isaiah. And we know, as we read the, 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 prophet, the, um, the book of Isaiah, how Isaiah spoke so so exactly about the coming of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Lamb of God. And he was used mightily by God, and his prophecies continue to to comfort, to strengthen um, us even in, in, in present times. So we see again here how when he heard the voice of the Lord, what do we do when we hear the voice of the Lord? There's a very, very um, definite moment in our lives when God speaks to us. It might be when we're a child. It might be when we're a teenager. It might be when, like Paul, he had already been a, a blasphemer, a persecutor. He had already done so many evil things against the church, and he finally realized what his mission in life was. And once he found it, he followed the Lord until the day that he was executed. And I just want to, us to uh, uh, meditate a little bit about this because we find in Isaiah chapter 50 where he speaks literally about Jesus' coming. And it says, the Lord has opened my ear. I have not been rebellious, nor have I turned back. I turned my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I didn't even face them. I let them beat me. I did not hide my face from the insults and spitting. For the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been ashamed or humiliated. Therefore, I have made my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame and that is the life of Jesus Christ. He left the songs, the heavenly songs he left the throne room he took on the form of, of man born through the Virgin Mary and in that state it says that he humbled himself and was obedient unto death. And that's why we're here this, after, this, this evening, because Jesus was obedient. Yeah. And ever since he came, he began to call people out of the crowd out of their daily service, out of their da- daily chores, their daily works, he, he interrupted their lives. And we see there in Mark chapter one fourteen. now after John the Baptist was arrested and taken in custody, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, the appointed period of the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's very interesting that in Samuel, 1 Samuel 8 5, the the children of Israel came to Samuel and said give us a king. They had had a king. God was their king. But they requested a human being as their king. And it grieved the Lord. And it grieved Samuel. But that was in 10 that was in 1030 before Christ, and now Jesus comes back and he said, and comes to to earth and he says, The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not because God had relinquished his throne or authority, God. God was in control all the time during those years, even when there was so much rebellion among the people of Israel during the uh during the time of the Old Testament the difference is that now the kingdom would not be earthly it would be spiritual because every part of the kingdom of God has to do with eternal value if there's no eternal value God is not interested we have to be thinking about every person we talk to every person we witness to every person that we give the good news one day they will be either in heaven or in hell. I remember my father saying when he was opening the Faith, Open Love Center there in Mexico City, God told him, he says, look Daniel, I'm going to reward you not for the people that come forward to the altar, I'm going to reward you for those that are in the the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, that's an important thing to ponder on. We can't just bring the people in. We've got to disciple them and teach them how to walk and follow Jesus' steps. And it says here in the word, um, in Mark 1, it says, repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your life, and believe with a deep abiding trust in the good news regarding salvation. And then verse 16, it says, as Jesus was walking by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Peter, Peter. And Simon's brother Andrew casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen and Jesus said to them follow me the same thing God told Abraham the same thing God told um, Isaiah the same thing follow me as my disciples accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk and I will make you fishers of men immediately what does it say Immediately, they left their nets and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. And this is the basis for what we're doing. All of us have a, a point in, in life where God speaks and we can say, Lord, come, come a later day. I'm busy doing this, I'm busy doing that. I have found in life that when God speaks and I don't obey immediately, I'm going to pay a price. When God speaks, he expects us to act immediately like they did in Bible times. If we apply this to the time we're living in, um, my father and mother, they served the Lord. But my father always taught us children God does not have grandchildren. He only has sons, he only has daughters. So we had to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And a time came in our lives when the call of God came to our lives as well. And um, I remember one morning when my father um, called me into his office after breakfast and he said, Tim, this morning I was preparing radio programs and I I put on a a record. It was when we had the the big long long playing records and he said the song that, that hit me was wasted years, wasted years, oh how foolish. And he said, Tim, I know that I've encouraged you to go on to study, to be a civil engineer because you're going to be the um, businessman of the family. You're going to be the one that's going to really pour the money into the, into the ministry and all that. You know, he had real good um, ideas and, and um, dreams about that. But he says, you know, as I was praying and and it was in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He said, now listen, you're listening to that song. I'm letting you know that Tim is going to waste his years if he goes on to that career. And he came to me and he said, Tim, I'm just giving it to you like the Lord gave me. You make the decision. I was thinking that you were going to be the businessman, but now everything has changed. And my thinking, what happened to me in in my office, And um, he says, I'll give you 24 hours to give me an answer. He was like that. You know, 24 hours, I think, is good enough for you to get alone with God and see what he wants for you. And within 24 hours, I had completely decided what I was going to do. I obeyed the Lord. Um, I didn't study the career for civil engineering. But I'm, in, I'm involved in building the Church of God, so that's much more impossible, more much more important. I know that wonderful architects and engineers built this facility, beautiful facility, and all the facilities that where we're preaching in Mexico. But definitely, the call of God was to preach the Word. And I've spent my last 50 years doing that, 51 years. I so started one year before we got married. Since we got married, my wife and I have um, served the Lord. We just celebrated our 50th year of serving God. And, and it's just been wonderful. Every day is better because we have a theme. God, we love you more than yesterday, but less than tomorrow. We just have to be in love with our Lord and Savior, doing what is his purpose, doing what his desires are. And it's just been a time of just walking in faith, walking in, in, in submission to the Lord. And as I submit to the Lord, my wife submits to him and to me. And um, it's been very, 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 very exciting to walk together um, as husband and wife, um, following the Lord, hearing the voice of God. And one of the things that makes it easy for me is that God speaks to her first. I remember when we were going to get married and God said, when, when you get married, you're going to be moving to such and such a part, a geographical part of Mexico. And I said, God, I started arguing with him. And I said, my fiance, she's never left town. She's been very close to her parents all these years. And um, what if I tell her we're going to move 450 miles south Um, into another part of Mexico and God says that's okay I'll take care of her so with trembling and fear next time I saw her I said you know what Um, God has said once we get married we're gonna move um, quite a ways away from home you know what she told me says oh God told me that a year ago (laughs) but I didn't want to say anything to you so you wouldn't feel that I was manipulating and she was just my fiance, she wasn't even my wife yet. And that's the way God has been doing things through the years he, 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 he makes a shift in our ministry and he tells her about it first and she just keeps quiet. quiet. When I come to her I said well we're we're, we're making this shift in ministry. Oh, yeah. God told me four months ago and it's so wonderful that both of us can hear the voice of God and be submissive for the timing of God we've got to be in the right place doing the right thing and God will do the rest I remember my my father we were 25 years old at that time and my father he said "Um, Tim I need you to come in and work with me in Mexico City And um, I told my father, we just moved to southern Mexico to plant a church way down by Guatemala. And I said, we've only been here so many months. Um, I would be glad to go, but I need to get a word from the Lord. And before we knew it, the Lord told us, pack up your things, go to Mexico City, and I will tell you what you're going to do after I take you to Mexico City. So we come into the city. And we have um, like a, a, a great crusade going on. People from different countries had come in to preach. And he had asked, my father had asked me to translate for American pastors that had got down for this crusade. You've got to understand that at that time in that church, we had 12 hours of meeting seven days a week. And that went on from 1976 until 1992. Seven days a week, 12 hours a day. So, I mean, our days were full, translating for preachers, and Sunday comes, and he says, well, you can go on your way tomorrow. You help me with this crusade. The next morning, he calls five of us into his office, and he says, so-and-so just said that he, he will not take the pastor of the church. So I went down the road and he said, one, two, three, four, five. And each one of the four before me said no. And he said, well, you take the church. I was 25 years old. And I said, sure. I mean, I didn't know God was pulling that one on me. I, I thought I would be moving on from Mexico City. We've been there since October of 77. The first two years, we had 20,000 people get saved in just that one church. And it was at a time when we had radio programs um, going forth in the, in the city. And um, it was just an awesome move of God. From there, within two years, we birthed another church. And my father said, those that lived north of such and such of a street, I want you all to go to start center number two. And I'm pastoring center number one. He says, okay, you that live up there, 300 people left our church to go and start a church overnight with 300 people. Two years later, my father says, okay, now I need all the people that live west of this street to go and start center number four, number, number three. Well, 150 families left our church to start center number three. And that now is the largest church in people that we have in Mexico. But God, we're just continually being pruned. (laughs) Two years later, 300 people went to start center number four, and Brother Eric was there last week. I mean, there was Brother Jose. Um, And then two years later, God says, okay, now your time to go. And we went to start center number five. We were there on, on, thir- on Wednesday, right? Wednesday, yeah, we were there on Wednesday. God moving in a mighty way among the Mexican pastor, just pouring, just, just committed to God. And, and when you look at what God is doing, you say it's been worthwhile to have obeyed God. So I just want to encourage us tonight that um, even as God is no respecter of persons, um, He knows. He knows our address. He knows our activities. He knows our priorities in life. He knows what, what is uh, that which really makes us click in life. And He can take it all away, and say, You want it or you don't want it. And we will be forever grateful to the Lord for having obeyed him. But we will regret even when we face Jesus as a judge and said, didn't I tell you to do this? Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? You know, you are a privileged people of God having a pastor with the vision he has for the world I know many of you maybe have gone with him on teams around the world but there are some if there's only one that has been disobedient I call you out in the name of Jesus and I say obey the Lord it's not man that you're obeying because when you obey God only eternity will reveal the results now during the pandemic of course we've had We had to close our churches in Mexico City, I mean, we had police cars at the door to make sure we didn't open that gate. Because there was such a severe case of of the pandemic, you know, thousands died weekly in Mexico City through the pandemic. And we just obeyed, but we just kept on, the church never closed because we we did it through Zoom, through different um, um, audio-video platforms and we're able to reach out and reach out to the people. Now, now we're having meetings in the, in the, in the building. And um, there are so many other opportunities that opened through the pandemic. We have um, home groups where they have people from one state, another state, another state, another state, that would never be in the home group, but because they did it through Zoom, they're ministering to their family members in the United States, their mem- members in other, other, other states of the country, and, and they are advancing the kingdom of God more than what they would do if they only had a small gathering. So we take advantage of all the opportunities God has given us to continue reaching out. Today, we have a 24-hour, it's the eighth month, that we've done this 24 hours of praying for Mexico from 6 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock in the morning tomorrow morning. That started this morning at 6 o'clock. And there's so much need. People calling in with cancer, with this, with that. And um, God has given us this open door to be able to preach the gospel through radio in a country that is kind of prohibitive and to pray 24 hours, no preaching, just praying, praying, praying for the mercy of God over Mexico. 32 states, 130 million people and all of them have access through, through internet or through the radio um, there's been some days we've had 500,000 people connected to the prayer meeting, in, as we pray over Mexico. That would not have happened if I wouldn't have said yes to God. I mean, I'm only, I'm only um, boasting on Jesus. He's the one that opens doors, and I just walk through them. And we know that we know that there will be hundreds, thousands, millions of people. In heaven, because of the efforts of those that obeyed God. And now, what is your story? What is that God has told you? You know, God speaks to every one of us. Many times, He does it just reading the Word. I've been reading the Word. I says, "Oh, you thought that was for your pre- your your sermon? No, that's for you. Oh, it's for me. Oh, thank you." Good. And every time he hits it right, hits a nail right on the head. Because he knows us. He knows our form. He knows our our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. And uh, I want to encourage you tonight you've got to be praying for a next generation of missionaries to go as full time missionaries that can translate for Pastor Peter when he comes down to Mexico imagine if we didn't have anybody there to translate for him but we're there to do it praise the Lord and um, we need people on the mission field don't look at me like that I, mean, I know there's a mission field up in the states I know there's a lot of immigrants coming up to the states but there are people that sh- will not be and only believe when Jesus comes they're going to be in some other country some other state, some other mission field serving the Lord when Jesus comes. Amen. We'll all be reunited when you get to heaven. But I pray to God tonight that you've been stirred in your spirit, and that you will take time to linger in the presence of God and say, "God, I don't want to waste the rest of my life trying to figure out what you've called me to do." I know that many churches have already been birthed out of Only Believe. Praise the Lord for that. But there's another percentage of the congregation that needs to get on fire for God. And if we're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, the Holy Spirit will always come through So let's just linger in the presence of God. I was asked um, recently in Mexico, they were saying, who's going to be the next um, leadership team in Mexico? And you know, I, I just answered the question saying, those that linger in the presence of God, because you don't want anybody else but that person that spends time in the presence of God the presence of the Holy Spirit receiving direction from the Holy Spirit receiving strength from the Holy Spirit and that leader will go on to be what God wants in the country like Joshua you know in his last days he says I don't know who you're gonna serve but me and my family we're gonna serve the Lord those were the kind of last words he said But he had already served the Lord. Caleb had already served the Lord. We can just go on and on. There are those in the Bible that said yes and those in the Bible that said no. And you can see the great difference of their destiny. And when we say yes to God, our destiny is unquestionable. We can't even explain what God's going to do. I remember when they asked me a question and said brother Tim when was the hardest moment in your ministry? You know thinking about going through different things and stuff. I said the hardest moment in my ministry was just saying yes to God because when I said yes to God everything came easy. Not for the flesh but in the spirit everything comes easy. Why don't we just stand in the presence of God and somebody wants to find a place here at the altar I remember some time ago, I was there in Mexico, and I said, I told the people, I said, if you come to the altar, I'll I'll stay in the auditorium until you leave. Because we've had people stay there until 4 o'clock in the morning. That time, they didn't stay until 4 o'clock in the morning. But if there's any voice we need to hear, clear is the voice of God. There's so many voices out there. Internet, there's so many. And Twitter and TikTok and you name it. We've got to close off those things that are not the voice of God because the voice of God will always edify us, will always push us on to do exploits for Him. No matter where we're at, no matter what our calling is in life, we have to hear the voice of God. If we hear the voice of God, We'll be on target to do what God wants us to do in life. Father, I pray right now for those that are here, those that are probably hearing online. Oh, God, we can't do anything on our own. I've just come to remind your people tonight, has God not told you? And Lord, I just pray that that thought will linger in their minds. Has God not taught you? There are those here tonight that you spoke to them when they were a child. You gave them very clear instructions. Or they were in their teenage years, you gave them very clear instructions. And they have battled with obeying you, Lord. I pray, O oh God, that the United States, like never before, will face a group of people, a remnant of God that hear the voice of God in the workplace, in the schools, wherever they are, that there will be no rebellion in our hearts against you, O oh God, that will just say yes, because eternity is on the line. Time is running out. Oh God, I just pray that you will speak to your people. Even Jesus, you said you would not do one thing unless you heard the Father tell you what to do. You are so obedient to your Father as you were here on earth. And you teach us to be obedient. And I know, Lord, that the wife has to be obedient to their husband. Husband has to be obedient to God. But I know, oh God, that you have a very special place prepared in your heart in your purpose for those that say here I am the moment we say that you can send us to any part of the world you can send us to do whatever you have in mind and all you want us to do is to trust in you save those that are not saved oh God we we await that moment when the church all around the world will say for the last time the work on earth is over and it's time to go home thank you Lord for what you've done in Mexico thank you for what you've done in all the countries where Pastor Peter and uh, Brother Eric and other ministers have gone to, to just pour out their lives as they preach the gospel in places that we're probably very hostile, but you protected them, and you're continue to protect them. But oh God, that each one of us will know that you have our name, their name, that you have their address, you know their cell number. You know, Lord, every step or every action that we do that we would honestly answer to you. Oh God. If that's you, why don't you just come and spend some moments here at the altar. Just talk to God. Let the Holy Spirit remind you. I think the Holy Spirit is reminding some of you of things that you have neglected. Souls are on the balance. People that God has told you to talk to about the gospel you've just Put it on the side. You don't want to come before his throne and say, God will say, the blood of that person is on your hands because you did not talk to them about me. Father, we just close this time before your presence. And we know, Lord, that all of us will be eternally grateful to you and praising you for the results that you're going to bring through the unlimited effort of your church as they reach out to so many people that are in danger of going to hell because they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Do miracles in their lives, but the greatest miracle, the miracle of salvation. We bless you and thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, thank you, Pastor Tim. I appreciate that message, and I think the gist of that message is right. We're supposed to be obedient to what the Lord tells us to do. The Lord tells us to go, we go. He tells us to do something, we do something. And I honestly, uh, Pastor Tim could probably preach for the next four hours. Uh, the man just, when I talk to him, he just has word after word after word coming out of his mouth. But I just want to say thank you, Pastor Tim, for coming all the way from Mexico City to be here to Botkins, Ohio, a small little town. Mexico City is about 25 million people, just so you get an idea. To our town, about 1,200 that we're in right now. But uh, what a blessing he is. I, I, I have had the privilege for 25 years of relationship with this man of God. And I, I say this without any hesitation, this is I think potentially one of the most significant men I know literally in the world today. You heard numbers like, did you, has anybody ever, I've studied church history. Um, has anybody ever heard of a 16 year revival before in church history? 16 years of revival? I've been in a Brownsville revival with five years of, 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 of proven ministry. 16 years, 12 hours a day, that's what they did in Mexico City. 20,000 people got saved the first year they launched a church. The numbers he's talking about are absolutely mind-boggling. It's hard for even your brain to comprehend this. Tens of millions of people have been saved and impacted through this man of God. What I want to do right now on behalf of Pastor Tim is receive an offering on his behalf. Um, I, I, I encourage you, church I promise you this is great seed to plant into. The Bible says we plant seed in good ground, it will produce a harvest. I promise you tonight, without any hesitation, without blinking an eye, every dollar you sow in this ministry, I promise you it's going to produce an amazing harvest in your life. If we honor God's choice servants, if we honor the prophet, the Bible says we'll get a prophet's reward tonight. I just encourage you. I talk talk with him uh, on a regular basis and they're constantly building church after church after church. When we talk about center number one, he, he calls his he calls churches by numbers because he has so many, it's how he remembers them. So center number one, multiple thousands of people. Center number two, multiple thousands of people. Center number three, and if we just go from one center to the next center, we're talking Mexico City alone has churches that have thousands upon thousands of people in, in each church in 40, 50, 60 different locations just in Mexico City, let alone the entire nation. So here's what I encourage you to do. I typically don't implore and don't, don't, not, we're not going to beg for offers. Listen, I want to encourage you tonight, if you can give $500, $1,000, whatever the Lord tells you, the Lord might tell you, give you $5, whatever he tells you to give, as he's talked about tonight, do it in obedience. I promise you, it's going to come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, because I can't think of any better ground in the world today than this man of God, honestly. And I say that without any hesitation. So just pray what the Lord would ask you to do. And we're going to bring our buckets out right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. And uh, if you feel like you'd like to talk to Pastor Tim or have him pray for you, as he said, I've been in services where I leave the building at 2 a.m. and he's still there. So um, he will stay here until you're done talking or praying. If you want prayer, he'll be here. So Let's just pray right now. Father, I just thank you, God, for Pastor Tim, for Pastor Naomi, for the Faith, Hope, and Love Centers that you've helped birth through this wonderful couple, Lord God. Father, I speak a blessing over every church in Mexico and other, and other churches around the world that he's helped establish. I thank you for blessing them, bringing increase. Father, continue to give strength, vision. I thank you, God, for just anointing in his life. I thank you for miracle signs and wonders uh, in all these churches, for lives being impacted, Lord. I ask you, Lord, God, tonight for every seed that's sown tonight by our congregation, Lord, you bless it back to our congregation, Lord, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Father, I thank you, God, for your faithfulness, and I thank you, God, as we step out in obedience and follow what you tell us to do, we know you'll honor your word, and we will be blessed. Father, I thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. We're going to close out service. Please give your offerings unto the Lord. Of course, make checks out to only believe. We'll make sure Pastor Tim gets everything. And if you'd like to talk to Pastor Tim, I'm sure he's going to stay here until until we leave service tonight. So thank you so much. We will see you Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you.